You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I mean, it just feels like we're here every week. Um, Insofar as the game plan for the Packers is we get up big, we feel super confident, top of the world, this team can beat anybody, you know. And I remember once we got up three scores, there was a little voice in my head that said, you know they're going to make it close. And I, and, and I was actually, I was going to put that on Twitter. Like, guys, just calm down because you know what's coming. But it's like, I don't want to be negative. You know, if they end up winning like 43 to 10, I don't want to be the guy that was on Twitter like, you know they're going to blow it. Even though that's not exactly what I meant. It was just kind of like, just brace yourself. Because, but I said, nah, I'm not going to do it. And then it happened. I said it in the interview with Big Cat, right? I was like, look, you're going to have an opportunity to come back. I've said it to everybody I've talked to. Like, look, just stay in the game because the Packers are going to give you a chance to come back. And I, I told him on the thing. I was like, look, you're going to lose, but, you know, they'll, they'll give you a chance to come back. I will say, though, this one was different. Um, you know, over the past several weeks, I, I've been of the mind that, look, guys, uh, you're overreacting a bit. It was a good win. It wasn't perfect. It should have been a little bit better. But this one at some point, and I don't know exactly what that point was, maybe when the third quarter concluded and they had like four yards of offense, but somewhere in there, it crossed from, it's not as bad as it looks, you know, it's just a this, that, or the other, into, all right, this is legitimately bad. And um, as I said, I, I do think if you go piece by piece, there was a lot more positive than negative. But this is this is just not acceptable, and and you know it's it's one of those things. And I go back and forth. There are some people that are too negative all the time. There are some people that I think are too positive all the time. And and this is one of those times I'm going to look at the people that are overly positive and say you guys need to take the day off because you're you, this this is not uh, this is not your day. You're not going to win today. Uh, again, there there was plenty of positive, but trying to defend the offense and and some people are you know they're they're just going too far. This is not acceptable. And uh, I think at the very least, you know, it's one thing when fans are just kind of popping off and they don't know what they're talking about. It's another thing when, you know, you got a post-game press conference and the and the hosts of the show are trying to be like, golly, you guys are just, you're so good. What does it feel like to be so good? Like, they're, they're throwing you a little softball and Rodgers is like, no, we suck. It's not exactly what he said, but I got it queued up. Here is, if you didn't hear it, Aaron Rodgers immediately after the game, after this victory. To be honest, I don't know. I mean, this is uh, uh, one of those uh, disappointing wins, the way that we played in the second half. So I have a sour taste in my mouth um, about we play, how we played in the second half. Um, we got to go back to the drawing board. That uh, that kind of football is not going to beat a lot of teams. So it's been, you know, we won the game. We're 11-3. It's been a successful season so far. But uh, we got uh, we got plans about making a run in the way we played on offense. Uh, we're not going to beat anybody in the playoffs. Something extra ominous, too, about the... <laughs> The Christmas music blasting in the background, and there are four hosts of this show, and not one of them knew how to respond to that. Like, wow, that was that was unexpected. But it's just it's just a reality, right? You know, and it's the 
again, these super positive fans can't sit here and say, you fans need to stop complaining when Aaron Rodgers is coming out and saying it. I mean, it, look, it's just, it's just blatantly obvious. There, there's, to some degree, fans expect too much perfection, and on another degree, there's just a basic level of competency that the Packers could not get to in the second half. I mean, that was, it wasn't just subpar, it was horrific. They did literally nothing for an entire half. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people talk about halftime adjustments. When you're winning that much, you don't need to make halftime adjustments. So please stop asking me about that. Now, adjustments in general, yeah, at some point you got to do something different. My actual concern is I feel like we make adjustments into other things that are not good. We get away from what's working. That's my concern. And I know we do that sometimes. I can't say definitively that's what we did here, but I do feel like when we get up 21-3, we shift into let's play burn the clock mode. Let's play tire out their defense, keep their offense off the field as best as possible mode, which means run the ball, short passes, all this stuff. Carolina knew we would do that. They started blowing up every single stupid screen that we drew up. They stacked the box at the line of scrimmage and challenged us to throw the ball deep, and we just not only would would we not do it, we really couldn't do it because he didn't have any time to throw because we had a bunch of people that basically just gave up. And it felt like they were giving up at the end of the second half. And he didn't think too much of it because we were up by so much and you figure, hey, this is the first time we, anybody made a mistake. But it just, it didn't get better. We came out of the, the locker room and, and guys just didn't care. And so I'm not really interested in adjustments. First of all, you can't adjust players into caring, right? It's not a play calling thing when guys can't catch passes. It's not scheme. It's guys don't care, right? There's no scheme that's going to keep Lucas Patrick from getting blown up by a rookie that has done jack squat this whole year. Um, now, that doesn't excuse Matt LaFleur because if I, if I really hone in, and again, there was more positive than negative, but there was clearly some negative here. I think the big picture negative is Matt LaFleur, the offensive line, and the wide receivers. Now, I can't isolate every single person, but I know Devontae looked like he didn't feel like showing up. Lazard had a critical job, Lucas Patrick was abysmal, and Matt LaFleur, at least at the end of this game, that was some of the worst play calling I've seen since he's been a head coach of this team, specifically on that final drive. And this is this is classic playing scared, and we talk about how Aaron Rodgers gets in his head sometimes, and I'm not mad at Aaron Rodgers. I didn't see him do a single bad thing in this game. I saw him get frustrated with incompetence around him everywhere. Guys that can't block, wide receivers that can't block, Tanyan can't block, Matt LaFleur can't call the right plays, guys can't catch, guys aren't running the right routes. That's not Aaron Rodgers' fault. That's, that's the other thing that annoys me is the, oh, I really was hoping Aaron Rodgers would like separate himself so much for that MVP. He didn't do anything wrong. I can't think of one play where I thought, oh, come on, Rodgers. Maybe like one out route from Devontae wasn't quite where it was supposed to be. But, you know, was that Devontae, was he maybe just throwing it away because he didn't have any separation? I didn't see anything that he did wrong all day. But on that final drive, the Carolina Panthers completely stacked the box. And in my mind, I thought, there's no reason to be at the line of scrimmage. There's only <laughs> there's only two things you're doing up there. You're either running the ball or you're running play action, and both of those would be stupid. Aaron Rodgers shouldn't be anywhere near the line of scrimmage. Our guys can't block. By the time he gets to the top of his drop, he's going to get smoked. So we run the ball, of course, that doesn't go anywhere because they've literally got 10 guys at the line of scrimmage. Be a man, drop out of that, get in shotgun and challenge them. If they're going to put 10 guys at the line of scrimmage, back up and throw the ball. 
We stayed up there. We stayed with that stupid call, and we ran the ball into a brick wall. Then they did the exact same thing again. They got up at the line of scrimmage, and what do we do? We run play action. Go figure. Ten guys at the line of scrimmage and our offensive line can't block. So we got guys that are struggling to block against the Carolina Panthers, and they have a massive numbers advantage, and we're going to try to run play action? And what, I'm supposed to be surprised that when, when he gets done with playing out this whole play-action fake, he gets smoked immediately when he makes his turn? That's supposed to surprise me? I would have put down $1,000 that said that happened. Anybody in their right stupid mind could have told you that that was going to happen. Who in the world calls play a- It's like calling play-action in the end zone. That's like being on your one-yard line and calling play-action. That's stupid, Matt. I love Matt LaFleur. He's a great coach. I mean, his his record right now, some of the stuff he's doing, this offensive scheme is great, but there, that guy occasionally, and for all I know, he is the entire reason this offense failed and, and the wide receivers weren't getting open and everything else. But that right there tells me everything I need to I don't need to know everything about play calling, about the NFL, about anything, to just watch how these two teams line up and said, this is stupid. The second both teams lined up like it was goal line, I said, this is stupid. There's no reason for this. The offense should not be stacked up at the line of scrimmage when the defense has 10 guys there. They knew what we were going to do. They knew coming out of that locker room that Matt LaFleur was going to start playing scared. That's exactly what he did. The defense capitalized on it, and we never stopped playing scared. We're throwing screen passes when Devontae's getting blown up every single time. Stop doing that. You know, I don't know how many times I can say it, but the guy talks about all gas, no bl- no break, and the biggest problem with this offense is that they... they they, they run out of gas. They don't have any gas. And they're actually pumping the brake. They come out just tapping the brake the whole second half. I don't know how many times in a row I can come on this podcast and say a, you know, 18-point, 21-point, 28-point lead. It's not enough. A, a team can score 21 points. I mean, as we know, 21 points in a quarter is not that big of a deal. Even for somewhat incompetent teams, they can pull it off. You cannot come out with your foot on the brake. You cannot come out scared. You cannot say we're just going to coast because we're scared of, of losing the game. Just keep doing what's working. Again, my, my issue isn't that we're not adjusting. My issue is that we are adjusting. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's all I've got to say in terms of the negative. I don't want to spend the whole time being negative because we won the game. Um, it's, it's, it is a reality that that team in the second half is not going to win in the playoffs, but it's also a reality that it's somewhat unrealistic to expect that the Packers are never going to have a bad half for the rest of the year. I was hoping we wouldn't see that fatally bad of a half, but that does seem to be the DNA of the Packers. That's something Matt LaFleur absolutely has to work on. Why is it when things are bad, they're really, really bad? Why is it from the, why, why is it we punted once and after that we did nothing but punt, right? It was one bad drive. Why can't we recover from that? I made a joke like, oh, game's over, we punted. Turns out that wasn't so much of a joke. Because the entire offense after that punt was like, I quit. I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And, and one final thought, and then I promise I'm moving on from the negative to the positive. The NFL is not the MLB. It's not the NBA. There are not 500,000 games. You don't get, you know, 20 shots at the goal, or I don't know, I don't know anything about basketball, but let's say roughly 20 attempts. Every single thing you do is massively important. I mean, look at look at basketball. How many times they miss, and it's like, nah. I mean, I, when they do it, it's kind of like, oh, come on, man. Hey, you just it doesn't. Hey, who cares? It's no big deal. 
get back in the game. Now, if you do that like 19 times, you're probably going to lose. At some point, you got to get the ball back, you got to score, and you got to keep this thing going. But, you know, you miss a shot, it's like, ah, shucks. The NFL demands perfection. That's one of the things that isolates the NFL from other, from other games. It demands perfection. One of the, the conundrums is that you look at some of the things that stalled out drives and you want to cut guys slack, but you can't. One tiny, innocent fraction of a mistake can kill not just a drive, but a game. Alan Lazard dropping a pass. You, I mean, you're not going to cut a guy over that. It's one mistake. It's a tiny little mistake. It cost us three points. Devontae Adams had a drop. One drop. Big deal. He, he hadn't had a drop in I don't know how long. We had to punt because of that. It killed the entire drive. That was a first down he dropped. We ended up punting. We shouldn't have had to punt because he caught a first down pass. We punted. We got him on fourth down and Kevin King had a penalty. Massive penalty. Gave him a first down. They went down and scored, I believe. You know, what? think about that play where three guys ran into a receiver and he ended up just bouncing off and running for another 20 yards. I mean, it's, it's a small thing to say when you're coming full speed and you smack into a guy and there's two other defenders there, you, you feel like, you know what, he's going to go down. Somebody's going to do the right thing and grab him and I'm just going to give him a good pop. And nobody, it's, it's, again, you can kind of, if, if it was an isolated incident, if we won by 20 points and there really wasn't a, a massive disaster at any point in this game, you look at that and go, yeah, come on, man. You look at the context of this and how badly things are going and, and how the momentum is just going stronger and stronger in their direction, and you look at it, you can't do that. You can't have a momentary lapse. You're not allowed in the NFL to, to just have a simple mistake. A blown assignment can blow the game. It can mean the difference between a punt and seven points, which clearly, easily can make the difference in a game. It's nothing but a bunch of little tiny things that happen that, that culminate into a big thing. And so you look at Devontae, and it's like, what did he do? I mean, maybe he was just terrible all day. He wasn't getting open. I don't know. I don't know why he wasn't getting open, if it was bad play calling, if he was getting open, but there was pressure. But again, if I wanted to isolate people that I knew were bad, the the only guy I can really point to is Lucas Patrick, who was getting beat over and over again. And even that was, what, three or four times that I saw out of maybe 50 attempts? I mean, that's not acceptable. Corey Lindsay has two pressures all year. Having like four in a game is wildly unacceptable, but still, you think about four in the grand scheme of, you know, 55 attempts, it's it's minuscule making up numbers, but that's probably roughly around the, the ballpark, but it's still not acceptable because the NFL demands perfection, and if you're going to come out and not be perfect, you're, you're going to lose the game, and Devontae didn't come out playing like he wanted to be perfect, Lazar didn't act like he wanted to be perfect, Tanyan over there doesn't know how to block, never really has, which is kind of pathetic, and think about that. That screen that got blown up because Robert Tunyon, I still hate saying that, Bobby Touchdowns, can't block a guy. We got wide receivers like lanky MVS that know how to block DBs, and we got a tight end that can't do it. And again, that's another one that's probably a first down that got blown up because we have a tight end that doesn't know how to block a corner, and instead of a first down, we got a punt. Again, you'd love to give a guy a pass, like, eh, it happened. It's a one-on-one matchup, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Flip a coin. No. You have to be per- you have to block the guy. It's not a debate. You don't get a pass. There's no mulligans. You block him or we punt. Do your job. And you get everybody just having that one bad play. Lazard had his one bad play. Tunyon had his one bad play. Adams had his one bad play. Bakhtiari had that one bad pay- play. Aaron Rodgers has the one bad play. The coach calls one or two bad play. I mean, it's just everybody contributed to this downward spiral. And then and and the 
the glue that binded all that together is the fact that it wasn't a fluke. It didn't just happen to be that everybody had one bad play in the same game, and that's why this happened. The attitude of everybody. You know, when you when you see Aaron Rodgers shaking his head after every play, on one hand, you look at it and say, come on, Rodgers, please just smile or something. On the other hand, you know he's shaking his head because somebody did something wrong. On every single play, he's shaking his head. He's not doing that just for nothing. He saw somebody not do their job, or he's mad at Matt LaFleur for calling a bad play. Either way, every single play in the second half, he's shaking his head saying, this is so stupid. This is not acceptable. This is not up to par. He saw it. And again, the general attitude, you know, the the camera pans over to the sideline, and and somebody, I don't know if it was Matt LaFleur or who, trying to talk to Rodgers and Devontae and everybody, and they're just staring off into space like, dude, don't talk to me. We got got three minutes left in this game, and you're just going to sit there and pout and mope like, I don't want to talk to you. Can I just get three minutes of energy and acting like you care for three minutes, and then you get a week off? I know you got practice and everything else, but you got a week off from playing football again. Can you please just take the next three minutes of football game time and act like you care and close this game out? And of course, they couldn't. The offense came out. There was about a minute and a half left. They had the opportunity to play the hero, to win the game, and they played like garbage. And I don't I don't think the, the offense had a chance to succeed. There was no offense on this planet that runs those plays in those situations and gets a first down. Zero. The Chiefs are not running for a first down on that play. No chance. Ten guys in the box? No. I don't know if it was exactly 10, but it just everybody was at the line of scrimmage. So it, it's it's not good enough, plain and simple. Anyways, um, that's the unfortunate reality. And, and we all know that that's not going to be good enough. But at the same time, we also know that no team is perfect all the time. And the only team that's going to win a Super Bowl is the one that manages to be the most perfect for that limited period of time. And, and, and that's the benefit of getting a bye week. And I know the Packers struggle coming out of a bye. I get all that. But... The less games they have to play, the less likely it is they have a bad day. Right? If they can string together three or four good games in a row, that's more than enough to win a Super Bowl. It just has to be in that stretch. Anyways, why don't we take a break real quick right here. We'll come back on the other side and look at the positives. Because to be honest, there really were a lot of positives. So we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Uh, First things first, speaking of positive, um, yesterday I did my uh, memberships on YouTube. And so I want to give a big shout-out to uh, Kyle Bernston, the Matt Pack, who is my man Matt Schroeder, as well as Zach Newberry for jumping on board. First day launching that bad boy, still trying to figure out what's going on, but uh, three subscribers in the first day, very, very excited about that, and I really do appreciate that support. I've been working incredibly hard. Um, I used to sleep in. I, I started sleeping in on the weekend, so I got a little bit of sleep, but I decided Saturday and Sunday I'd get up early so I can get all my YouTube done, which is also why I start doing interviews on Friday to post on Saturday so that I have more time to get stuff done. Um, so as soon as this is done, I've got to make, let's see, Monday, Tuesday, no, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, six YouTube videos um, in the next couple hours and get them all edited and posted and ready for the week. So it is a lot of work, but um, I'm really, really starting to enjoy it contemplating doing a Packers video, but I don't think I have enough time. So anyways, just want to say thank you for that support. All right, on to the positive. And for that, I'm just going to pull up the death chart and just kind of run through this because I don't want to miss anybody. Um, again, some of these guys, it's it's hard to say whether or not they were good or bad. Um, I did look at what PFF had to say. They have a, always have like a refocus thing. It sounds like they're going to be down real bad on Devontae and Aaron Rodgers. I would be tempted to, to say that I'm I'm not going to say Aaron Rodgers did a good thing. If nothing else, try to bring up the attitude and the morale a little bit. I really don't want to go negative here, but I I just want to make that point. I genuinely think Aaron Rodgers has the ability to possibly prevent some of this collapse because it really does feel like an attitude thing. And I I know he's not a big rah-rah guy, and I know he expects a lot, and, and he has every right to do that. But I think if he could just try to fake it, you know what I mean? If, if somebody has a bad thing or whatever, you know, a little bit of a doesn't even have to be a pep talk like just smile and you know like come on man we, we got this I just feel like people feed off that energy so that would be the only real negative again maybe he did play terribly I don't know with that said big shout out to the running back um, again I can't really speak to the offensive line I was very upset with Lucas Patrick everybody else for all I know did a great job and if nothing else probably the run blocking did well especially in the first half but I know the running backs did a good job Aaron Jones was just carving people up all day long, real good decision-making, real slippery. He ended up with 20 carries for 145 yards and a touchdown. That's a 7.3 average. That's one of those things you you cannot allow to get swept under the rug. You just can't. Um, One of the things that a lot of the uh, very positive folks wanted to highlight, and I do think there's some truth to it, is the fact that, you know, a team that has the ability to pick up the slack, whether that be the offense carrying the defense, the defense carrying the offense, the run game carrying the passing game, whatever it is, when you have that many, that much of a dynamic, that really is pretty impressive. We'll get to the defense, but you know that 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 is an element of playoff football. And and to be fair, again, we're upset about the offense. The defense played playoff football, and they kind of have been for a while. I've been saying they've been sneaky good for quite a while here. That team was shut down. They didn't even start to pick up steam. But first of all. Several short fields, again, the offense was doing terribly. They were punting from deep in their own area. We saw the defense have to play from basically the 50-yard line several times. 
that was a factor. And again, you didn't really see much from from the Carolina Panthers offense until the the Packers had punted about three times and the defense was completely gaffed. But the defense carried this team. 16 points for the Carolina Panthers. Again, I don't want to get into the defense quite yet, but that is a component of playoff football. A high-quality team to where when the passing game isn't working, and it was fine in the first half, but you've got a running back that's running for 7.3 yards per carry. On top of Mr. Quads, A.J. Dillon. I've, I've been saying it's a small sample size, but every time we see him, he's a very good running back. The best run of the day was A.J. Dillon's first carry in, what, six weeks? And man, if, if he would have got past that other guy, he might have he gone. There is just so much unbelievable potential in that guy. The, the blend of, of power and speed. I'm sure there's some nuance, uh, you know, when, when there's not exactly a big hole to run through in terms of, of you know, how to you know, draw to run before you cut back or whatever. Just just little things that Aaron Jones does to to make plays that a lot of running backs aren't going to get yards on and he gets yards on. I think that's why you see a lot of Aaron Jones, especially down the stretch, because Matt LaFleur starts playing scared. He only wants his best guys out there because he, he just he's just scared. But um, the upside potential of A.J. Dillon is just unbelievably ridiculous. Um, if I'm giving out game balls, Aaron Jones is getting one. A.J. Dillon is getting I got like 50 game balls. I'm just going to hand them out to everybody. Heck, I'll even give one to Jamal Williams, one carry for six yards, man. He had, he had one attempt, but but think about it. We had four people that ran the ball. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, five carries. He was second most carries. I accidentally slapped the button there. The guy with the second most carries was our quarterback with five. That's such a weird thing. But Aaron Jones, actually, let's go in order. Aaron Rodgers, 5.2 yards per carry. Jamal Williams, six yards per carry. Aaron Jones, 7.3 yards per carry. A.J. Dillon, 18 yards per carry. That ain't a bad day for the for the running backs. Oh my goodness! On the receiving side, I, I I can't say too much positive. Again, I don't know what happened in the second half, but I you know I just can't. That'll be sort of a PFF thing. I'm sure some of these guys had great days, and we just didn't really see it because of how bad things went. But if we switch over to the defense, I do wish there was a little bit more pass rush. But we did have guys come up in the clutch. Preston with a big sack. Zadarius with a big sack. Absolutely needed that. I'm not giving him a game ball because I don't think it was quite good enough, but I'll give you a round of applause and a kudos for coming up big uh, in a couple situations. Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes are getting game balls. Again, I can't speak to every single snap, but these guys, if nothing else, they play fast, violent, and hungry every single week. I love, and I don't want to get overhyped on Chris Barnes because it's it's one play, and he hasn't been all that great all year. Uh, we know the upside potential. I'm kind of iffy on him. He did start the season real hot, so we, we did see, the. I think, the first two weeks he was very, very good. Kind of disappeared for a while, but, but I mean, they, they stole the show. Obviously, there was the, the massive play at the goal line. I mean, I don't know if we win the game if we let him score there. I mean, it's the whole butterfly effect. How does that impact things? But not only do we prevent them from scoring, but then we gave the offense a short field. Kevin King with the scoop and, and run. I was surprised he didn't score. What happened to that elite speed he had? That was surprising to me. He got caught up on pretty quick. But and then you see Kamal Martin, man, and and you know the, the amount of times I see him shoot into the backfield and just blow people up, the violence in his tackling, I just I'm just a big fan. And that I, again, I don't I don't. This isn't a fair weather thing. There are guys I just genuinely don't like, and and they're they're. I I was not big on Kamal Martin. I'll be the first one to brag that I was I was the first one that liked Brian Byrne. Right? I said Christian McCaffrey was the best running back in that draft. I said Derrick Henry was the best running back in that draft. I, I'll be the first one to brag about it whenever I get stuff right. I, I said I, w- I refused to do a video on Kamal Martin because I couldn't find a single good thing about him. 
I'll happily tell on myself. I, I just, I like the, and I know it's not perfect, and I know he's not perfect, and I'm sure he's not the, the most elite cover guy. Again, it's not just the, the flashes, it's the way he plays. I am so obsessed with a linebacker that the second he gets near you, you're coming down. That's it. It's not a question. Nobody's running through Kamal Martin. If he gets one hand on you, he's dragging you down. He plays so violently. I absolutely love watching him play. I I mean, he might get a 30 overall grade after this game. I couldn't care less. I still like Kamal Martin. Again, I didn't watch every single snap. I don't care. Love watching that guy play. So kudos to the rookie linebackers. They're both getting game balls. Big time impressed with uh, Jair. I thought he had a good day. Um, Don't know if it was exactly perfect, but for the most part, he didn't get targeted. He, uh, there were a couple passes that, you know, did get caught in his direction, but usually it's when he's playing way off and, uh, gets caught and he has to kind of run up and and tackle the guy. You can't really blame him that much for that, but I mean, he continued to be more or less a lockdown corner. I mean, you just don't see a lot of passes going his way with the exception of one or two and the guy gets tackled right away. I mean, that's what a clutch top tier cornerback does. He continues to be that guy, which is something we need so bad. And, um, I mean, we, we need that. We need him to play at that level uh, in the playoffs. And the consistency from him has been incredible. Now, Kevin King on the other side, not a good day. He was getting beaten every single way. I believe this is at least the second week in a row um, he has killed or done the opposite of killed drive. He kept drivers alive with penalty. You know, third downs, fourth downs, and, and he's getting penalties that keep the sticks moving. That's completely unacceptable. He's getting beat on routes. He's getting beat deep. He's getting beat in every kind of way that you can get beat. And I don't need him to start falling off. He had a good year. I was backing off Kevin King. I wasn't talking trash about him. I thought he was playing good enough, but some of this stuff is just getting to be a little bit too much. I'm not a fan. Tighten it up a little bit. Then we get to the safeties. Super happy with Savage. I can't say definitively that, uh, you know, again, play to play how elite he was. There might have been some breakdown somewhere, I don't know, but the, the tackling, the speed, he showed up in some pretty clutch situations. But the game ball, the, the golden game ball, I think, goes to Adrian Amos. Famous Amos, man. He has been so clutch the last several weeks, and I think this was the cherry on, I mean, this was it, man. This is, this is the peak. This is the apex. He was everything. He was... I mean, you talk about a guy that's the leading tackler on this team. He's flying everywhere. He's making he, he's the guy that's breaking up passes deep down the field and he's making tackles at the line of scrimmage. He is flying everywhere. Now, I'd like to remind you, not to overreact, but we brought in the the DB coach from the Minnesota Vikings who is famous for making stars out of the safeties in Minnesota. It doesn't matter who they were. Every safety in Minnesota basically was a star on that team. We're starting to see, I mean, it it started off pretty bad. Uh, Both safeties were underperforming. It was one of those head-scratching things. I mean, everybody on defense was underperforming at at the start of the season. Some of the guys are starting to wake up, with the exception of Jair, who started off hot and has never cooled off. But um, the safeties have stepped up in such a massive way, it's really incredible. Again, I know it's not perfect. There's some deep shots down the field that probably they were a little bit out of position for, should have been there, whatever. But, um, I mean, it's just when when you notice your safeties regularly, that's a big deal because I don't remember that happening in Green Bay in a long time where it's just, I mean, they're, they're in on every play. The way that, like, Blake Martinez was was in on every tackle back in the day, now it's now it's Amos and, and uh, Savage. They're just everywhere. The amount of ground they cover, it doesn't matter what side of the field, run, pass, deep, intermediate, short. There's a there's only two of them, and they're just in on every play. They're they're everywhere. 
So big shout out to those two guys. Um, again, I, I don't know what the grades are. I don't really care. They deserve a lot of credit for what they did, what they have done, what they continue to do. And again, that's going to be critical. Um, you know, things aren't going to be perfect all the time, but to have a defense step up, to have safeties and corners step up, to have running backs step up, not everything's going to be perfect all the time. Now, again, that's not that's not an out for the offense. If, if you're going to be bad, that's fine, but but pick it up, figure it out. You know, you got a bad drive, bad couple of drives, bad quarter, okay, but you, you got to pick it up. You can't have a bad half. But still, to be able to have a, uh, a, a defense do what they did, and I, I'm, I'm beyond impressed. I really am. And, and anything negative about this defense, I think, can be attributed again to bad special teams, bad offense giving short fields, and just being incredibly tired because the, the offense did nothing but punt for, for two quarters. But, I mean, even with the quote-unquote collapse, let's, let's keep this in mind. And, again, I'm, I'm telling you, sneaky good defense recently. The only other team to keep the Panthers to 16 points was the Bears in Week 6. That's it. The Chicago Bears are the only other team that did this. They scored 17 against the Bucks and the Falcons, 20 against the Lions, 21 against the Chargers, 23 against the Buccaneers, 23 against the Falcons, 24 against the Saints, 27 against the Broncos and the Vikings, 30 against the Raiders, 31 against the Chiefs, and 31 against the Cardinals. 16 points is, you know, and again, and I mentioned this, just because their record is bad doesn't mean everything about this team is bad. This is a team that scores points. We held them to 16. Unless Washington or New Orleans holds them to less than 16, this is the best defense the Panthers have faced all year. And so, you know, as the Packers offense has a chance to go back and reassess some things, I mean, if the defense can continue, and I've done this every week, talked about, you know, how good of a job they've been doing. Um, You know, again, 16 points to Carolina, 24 to the Lions, 16 to the Eagles, 25 to the Bears. You did have the 34 to the Colts. Again, that was the disaster. But then 20 to the Jaguars, 17 to the 49ers. I mean, you... I'm just saying, man, this defense is stepping it up in a real big way. We need the offense to not fall off, but, I mean, what we need is the offense to continue to be a top-five offense. I mean, you don't even need to be number one top-five offense because the defense suddenly is playing like a top-five defense. As crazy as that sounds, with the exception of a couple collapses, I mean, we haven't seen a collapse since since week 11. Only twice has a team reached 30 points since the bye week. To start the season, the defense gave up 30 points twice in the first three weeks. 34 to Minnesota week one, 30 to, to New Orleans week three. Since that point, they've, they've had more games in the teens than they have in the 30s. 16 to Atlanta, 17 to the 49ers, 16 to the Eagles, 16 to the Panthers. And by the way, again, Jacksonville, if you take away the special teams, 13 points. Take away special teams for the Lions, they're in the teens. The defense has been doing a really good job. Not perfect by any stretch, but again, if we cut them a little bit of slack, given how bad special teams and the offense was, this is, it's, it's playoff football, man. You say, well, yeah, but it's, it's the Panthers. No, BS. Panthers offense isn't that bad. This isn't the 32nd ranked offense. Again, 30 points against the Chiefs or 31 or whatever in the 30s. Don't give me that nonsense. 24 points against the Lions, and again, in the teens against the Lions when you take away special teams touchdowns, it's not, quote-unquote, because it's the Lions. Nonsense. Who else is doing that? Nobody. Who else is holding the Eagles to 16 points? Who else is holding Carolina to 16 points? Who else is holding Detroit to 17 points? 
or Jacksonville to 13, or San Francisco to 17. Who else? Not many. And this is where the, the negative fans get to be a little bit too much. When you can't give credit for something like this. This is playoff-level defense right now. It's not perfect. The pass rush needs to get a little bit better, blah, blah, blah. They're making it work. And, um, you know, just watching this, I mean, this is not a defense that's going to lose us anything. I'm not looking at a team that's that's saying, you know, this is this is a good offense and all, but the defense is going to be the, the undoing. That's not the case right now. I mean, you got special teams you're very concerned about. Um, otherwise, it, it's kind of, it's starting to look more like 2019 where you got, Sometimes the offense plays and the defense doesn't. Sometimes the defense plays and the offense doesn't, but they find a way to have enough to where, you know, one of them ends up showing up. And the, the biggest thing that scares you is if you have a game like the 49ers where the offense and the defense don't show up. That's when you get into some seriously dangerous territory, which is what happened in, in a lot of their losses last year. Just getting blown completely out of the water. But, you know, they're 11-3. and three. And I'm glad Aaron Rodgers isn't satisfied, and I'm sure Matt LaFleur isn't satisfied. None of these guys are satisfied. Last time this happened, they lost to the Colts, and they came out strong. They were angry. They they corrected some things. You know, you heard about Aaron Rodgers talk about how the, the practice got better. Hopefully, this is a, a learning experience, and, and for them to be able to learn and grow and get better and still win the game, that's a good thing. And again, remember, what, what they need to do, depending on if, if the, the Saints can go undefeated, is beat the Panthers and the Bears. That's the most important thing. Be nice to beat the Tennessee Titans. I hope we beat the Tennessee Titans. Uh, if, if nothing else, the biggest thing is because this is sort of our, our first playoff football game basically since the Colts, which we lost. Before that, it was the Vikings who we lost to. Before that, it was the Buccaneers who we lost to. All right, so since since the bye week, we haven't really beat any playoff team. So that's that's sort of the biggest thing for me. Not that it has massive implications. It may. I don't think it necessarily will. But the biggest thing for me is this is our first playoff game since the bye week, and we, we have to win one. Um, as, as impressed as I am, Houston is not a playoff team. The 49ers, the Jaguars, the Bears, the Eagles, and the Lions, none of these teams are playoff caliber team. The only teams that were that we played, Buccaneers, Vikings, you know, iffy. I'm not sure they're going to be in the playoffs necessarily, but they, they have that level of play. And then the Colts, obviously. So that's what it is. Again, I got a good amount of stuff I got to get done here. But I, I again, I do think it was it was mostly positive, but the negatives... Even if it was just, you know, a, a fraction of the team, it really had the ability to undo things. And the fact that the head coach was a pretty big problem is scary. We need him to to change something. I'm not going to necessarily pretend to know what that is, but if nothing else, again, for the 50th billionth week in a row, do not come out of the tunnel at halftime with a lead and say, hey, let's pump the brakes. Don't do that. And then as things start to go bad, we start getting more and more conservative. Don't do that. Oh, also forgot. Another game ball. Mason Crosby. Mr. Clutch. I mean, that 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 made the difference for me. Once he made that, I started feeling a lot better. Because again, And the offense had failed us again. This felt like 2018, where we're in field goal range. The only thing you can't do right now. A field goal makes it a two-score game. The only thing on this planet you can't do is take a sack. I would borderline want to run the ball on third and seven in that situation just because we can't take a sack. Sure enough, I mean, and this was classic 2018 under Mike McCarthy. If we were at the 40-yard line and it was third down, every single time we would run four verticals and take a sack. I literally would be talking with my friend and say, here comes the third down sack play. As in, Mike McCarthy's calling in the sack play right now. 
And it, it was. And we would get sacked out of field goal range. And I thought that happened. Fortunately, we were still within 51 yards, which is within Mason Crosby's range. And he banged a 51-yarder. Massive game ball for him. I, I, I would go so far as to say J.K. Scott probably deserves one as well. Um, he had a couple real good kick. Again, the, there was the one down at the the one-yard line that, of course, got picked up and ran back for another 20 yards or whatever it was. Absolutely pathetic coverage. Um, he also had some great kicks with guys right in his face because we can't block. I mean, the, the guys around Mason Crosby and J.K. Scott are just terrible. But despite that, these guys got ice in their veins. They did some great things. And uh, if, if nothing else, Mason deserves a, 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 a massive round of applause and a game ball. So, anyways, I think I covered it all. Sort of the general thoughts. I mean, I, it, it's, it's frustrating because you know that this is the kind of game that's going to be the undoing. But it's kind of true for every team, and you, you just kind of hope that this is it. Because you, you can't really do it anymore. We're, we're getting way too close. It's kind of like if, if you're going to have another bad day, it has to be in the next two weeks. I mean, that's it. You cannot do that anymore. I was hoping the Colts game was it, but, I mean, th- let's say this is officially it now. No more bad days. Defense needs to keep up that energy. Mason needs to keep it up. J.K. needs to keep it up. The offense needs to, you know, just, just I don't know, talking in circles. But, anyways, I'm going to let you get going because I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Sunday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>